Gordon Pelagi. Day 2. Althea brought the contract to him the next day. Markin, who had been restlessly moving about his library all morning, in the resolute determination that he was not waiting for her, tried to tell his steward that he would be available in a few hours, but instead found himself ordering the man to send her straight in. When she came in, Althea looked decidedly weary. Her hair was braided more tightly than ever, and today she wore a severe black dress that did nothing to soften the fact that she had dark bruises below her eyes, and that her skin was decidedly pale. Good heavens, what happened? Markin demanded, surprised at taking a step toward her. I don't sleep very well on my first night in a new bed, said Althea, her eyes slipping past him. Hmm. So she was lying to him. No, not lying. Withholding. Markin thought about it and came to the conclusion that he knew exactly what she'd been up to before she came to see him. How did your experiment go? He asked. He was rewarded by that brilliant sudden smile. Very well, she said. Miss Augusta will make a full recovery. Though she'll be bed-bound for a few days yet until her mind recognizes that her bones are healed. Mind doesn't take to healing magic as well as bones and flesh do. Markin, forgetting the contract for the moment, asked, Is there anything you can do for the others? Nothing that Charlotte isn't already doing, said Althea briskly. She dug briefly through a small satchel and brought out a neatly folded piece of paper, which she passed to Markin. Though... If the sleeping girl... Rosemary, said Markin, recognizing his cue. He unfolded the paper and found a neat, precise, and orderly set of terms. A neat, precise, and orderly signature sat demurely below them. Thank you. If Rosemary had a sweetheart before her head was turned by Prince Perrin, it might be a good idea to send him up to kiss her. Markin ran a jaded eye over the contract and found it to be delightfully straightforward. Really? Oh, yes. They love that sort of thing. They think it's romantic. They? he asked vaguely, signing his own name beside hers. It didn't occur to him until he'd done so that Althea had been watching him very closely. That made him pay attention properly. What do you mean, they? The Fay, she said. They like to play games. They like little puppet people and little puppet romances. This was an attack by fairy? I'm not exactly sure yet, said Althea. Her voice sounded troubled. It's all fay magic, but I'd swear it's from different fay each girl. Some of it is horribly powerful, like Miss Augusta and the first two fiancés and some of it is more spiteful than anything. The girl with the missing hair, nodded Markin. He folded his arms and leaned into his desk. You had me sign that contract before you told me about the Fay. Althea flicked her eyes up at him. I thought you wanted to sign the contract. I did want to sign the... Markin stopped and ran his fingers through his hair. What's your plan?
I'll gather a little information, and then I'll try to find the door that was used. A door? What door? A door through to Fairy, said Althea. There are a few things I want to know first, though, and if I'm fortunate, I won't need to go through at all. There aren't any doors to Fairy here in the castle, objected Markin. We've got wards and such things on every wall and tower. I don't mean a door from their side, Althea said. I'm looking for a door from our side. Who would be stupid enough not to mention the small matter of it being treason to open doors into Fairy? Well, why pick on Prince Perrin? said Althea reasonably. For that matter, why magical weird girl's hair? There's a lot I don't know, but what I do know right now is that your subjects have been attacked by several fae. Your wards would prevent doors being opened from the other side. Therefore, someone from this side must be opening them. 